Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Let's have a Soul Talk. So blessed to be in conversation with you. Thanks for joining with Christy and me. Christy, we just got back from Colorado Springs, leading an institute retreat there, and just uh, love connecting with our people. Some of the people listening now, we just got to be with them and a group of about 45 leaders of all kinds, spiritual directors and pastors and missionaries and member health providers of care for missionaries and coaches and ministry spouses and just really, really good people. People from... UK, Australia, Malaysia, Canada, Africa, such great people around the world. The body of Christ is so beautiful and it's so fun to be together. It feels like being with family when we're together in a positive way. Maybe that's not a positive connotation for everybody, but for me, it it is. It just, and coming back together, this was the fourth retreat. And so it was just like a reunion. We were all so happy to see each other and be together again, pressing close to Jesus again. I think the the richness of which we experience in these weeks just really is such a safe place. There's not many places where you get to be with people who you both feel safe with and you respect. And that's what we have together in this community of the Soul Shepherding Institute because we're we're all pressing in close to Jesus and learning together and overflowing organically out of that to each other. And so it's it's such a beautiful experience. I just feel so full of praise every time that for what God does and is doing. People come because they, they want to learn, they want to experience retreat, they want to connect with us, they want us certificate and spiritual direction to add that to their ministry or to start a practice. But then they find that they're like fast friends. And it's a surprise to a lot of people, but they've got all of these friends from diverse places around the world that they haven't yet met, but because of the common connection with soul shepherding and uh, the the values uh, like intimacy with Jesus and emotional health and uh, authentic community, it just, it like-minded, like-hearted people come together. And it's amazing because even at every retreat, there's some new people that it's their first retreat too. So this last retreat, we had six people. It was their first retreat, even though the majority, it was their third or fourth retreat. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful the way they just get integrated in so quickly to the community. It's a really beautiful thing. So we would, you listening, we would love to have you join us. Come to the Soul Shepherding Institute. Come on retreat with us. Uh, every venue that we use is a beautiful location. Uh, this one was in Colorado Springs, t- 10 acres of woods and, and uh, a grassy field. Uh, just a herd of deer that's there. And you can see the uh, Rocky Mountains from, from the retreat center. And it's a huge home. So it's very hospitable. And we're all together for the meetings and the meals and uh, TLC time, which stands for To Love Christ. Our other venues are in um, Malibu, Southern California, and outside of Dallas on a 200-acre ranch where we'll be next week with a, a number of our other friends. And uh, we have Soul Sharing Institute Retreat Weeks in Atlanta and in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, that our colleagues lead that we've trained. Yeah. And then we've got a new cohort starting in March, in March Scotts, 2024. In Scotts, Scottsdale, Arizona, March yep. 
of 2024 will be the first of a sequence of four retreats. The first one is on spiritual formation. Come join us. We would love to have you at the Soul Shepherding Institute, and you would be so encouraged and so strengthened. And everybody, most people that come to one retreat want to do all four, and most people want to do this certificate in spiritual direction because it's such a help to all of your relationships, all of your life, and you are needed. There are people looking for a spiritual director who will give them a listening, care, empathy, guide them in, in their relationship with God. Well, I was really surprised to learn from one of the people with us last week that she had been listening to our podcast, but didn't think that she would fit or belong at the Soul Shepherding Institute. And then she applied and she was so amazed that she got accepted. And then she came and I was kind of sad. I was like, oh no, I hope our listeners don't feel that way. Like it's not for them or they might not be accepted. Uh, So I, I wanted to just explicitly say that to you. No, if the Lord is nudging you to join us, please come. We would love to have you. Yeah, the Institute is for uh, Christ's ambassadors, people following Jesus and representing Jesus to others. And there are so many ways that we do this. Uh, This new friend of ours is in the UK, and she works in uh, in the government sector, and and she's a witness for Jesus there. Mm -hmm. And so all over the world and all different segments of society, there are people loving and serving Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So Christy, when we were at this Institute retreat, uh, it was, it came right on the heels of the memorial service for your mom. And we had that time together as family and celebrating her life and lots of tears and goodbyes. And I think, um, most of you listeners know that Christy's mom, uh, just passed a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and, uh, is in heaven now and in glory. And, uh, so thankful for mom and her life and, uh, just wonderful woman she was to so many people, wonderful Christian leader and a tremendous uh, supporter of soul shepherding as well. So uh, when we were there, there were some people like, oh, how are you leading this retreat, Christy, when you're, you're I know you're so close to your mom and you're, you're grieving. And uh, yeah, so what's your response to that? Yeah, well, I really appreciated their care, their empathy for me, and even wanting to be tender towards me in that. And yet I expressed to you, Bill, you know, I'm I'm really doing great because I realized that as people were coming up to me, they were thinking, boy, this must be so hard. Christy must be having to repress her grief and her emotions in order to do this. And I, I said to you, you know, I'm not. I'm not repressing any of my emotions. And... I'm even though, you know, there was the two week mark of mom's passing while we were there. And there were things that triggered grief for me, for sure. And every day I woke up and first thought I had was, oh, you know, mom's not here. I don't need to worry about her. I don't need to call her. I don't need, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I would, I would praise the Lord for that, that she wasn't suffering, that she's with him. But then I would also usually maybe be back in the room where I was with her the last couple of weeks where she was suffering and there was trauma for me and that. And I would have some some revisiting, some intrusive memories there. But I would I would pray about them and I would often come to you and say, you know, could could you listen to me? I'm having some thoughts or some feelings. It would be helpful for me to share. And you would listen to me and give me some empathy. Wouldn't take long because there, you know, there wasn't a lot of time and I didn't need a lot, but um, it just helped me then to recenter in Jesus and be strong in Jesus. I agree with the grace you were giving me and he was giving me. People were praying for me. So I felt very 
sustain and I didn't ever feel like it was hard. I didn't ever felt like I needed to repress my emotions. But that doesn't mean I didn't have emotions. So, you know, we landed in Denver and we had a drive to Colorado Springs and I cried a little bit and told you the grief I was feeling and you listened to me with empathy and then it was gone. I was freed from it. And that's my experience with emotion is that as I can learn to recognize when I'm having it, not repress it, let myself feel the feelings, realize these are valid feelings. I'm having them for a reason and let them teach me what's under them and what are they telling me that I need and then asking for that, then they, they go, they leave and they're not controlling me. They're not dominating me. They're serving me well. And that's been my experience as I have learned to practice our teaching <laughs> that we write about in Healthy Feelings Thriving Faith with especially the chapter on help for sadness and where we write about the phases of grief and how to use your emotional alarm and some of those things. And I've been living into this and practicing this over the years. I'm actually amazed myself how how strong and healthy and at peace and full of grace I can be. Yeah, well, it's like a, a great musician, artist, or athlete you've been training in the ways of uh, emotional honesty and uh, emotional intelligence and uh, asking for what you need and uh, receiving empathy uh, because there, you've done a lot of grief work around your mom's death in the two-year journey of her cancer diagnosis and decline. And uh, there were some periods where uh, naturally, as would be true for anyone, you, you weren't able to sort of manage your emotions on your own because what you've just been describing to us about not repressing your emotions but processing them there's a uh, you've learned uh, you're exemplifying for us the difference between repressing emotions and containing emotions containing emotions is feeling them uh, being able to hold them because uh, they're, they're part of you and if it's something that's uh, an inopportune time to be emotional or to seek help for that, you, you can contain the emotion and hold it and come back to it. I had to do that quite a bit when I was caring for my mom because there were emotions that would come come up with seeing her suffer, seeing her state, or even taking the brunt of her anger. And it would not have been helpful to her or or an opportune time for me to give voice to those emotions. And so I had to contain the emotions, but then I would talk to you about it or I would make an appointment with my spiritual director and so that I could process. I've been doing both of those things. I talked to my sisters. I, I would have friends. I would have safe people that I knew when I had to contain the emotion in that moment. Okay. I'm going to process this with and I had, I had multiple options there, people I could process it with. And sometimes I processed it with more than one because I needed that. I needed that level of going over it more than once, feeling it more than once, receiving the, the grace more than once, having somebody pray for me more than once. But that, that helped me to know, it, it made it easier for me to love and be present to my mom, even with my painful emotions and not have to express them then, to know that I was going to have a safe place to express them and receive empathy and love. 
Yeah, so this has been a training for you. It's been a, a journey of uh, spiritual, emotional, relational training. And so you're reaping some of the benefits of that now in your capacity to uh, continue to uh, hold emotion as it comes or deal with intrusive memories, grief memories, uh, the uh, suffering that you went through with your mom there, especially the last two weeks, which is very intense. And so um, the Lord's helping you now to continue your ministry and your other relationships and be a loving person, which is such an encouragement for me to see. And I really thank God for the work that you've done, the, the soul work that you've done. And um, it's, it's quite an um, illustration for all of us listening to see a living example of the difference between repressing emotions, which is a defense mechanism that we all use uh, to some extent, but many of us are prone to sort of fall into an unconscious pattern and a habitual reliance on repressing emotions and never getting back to it. And we don't know the difference between repressing the emotions and containing them, between rejecting my emotional self and, and actually caring for my emotional self. Mm-hmm. And that that's not like coddling. P- people like associate, if, if they're emotional, it's going to lead to a, a decreased performance in their work or... or or their ability to be loving to other people, or they're not going to be joyful, they're not going to be an encouragement, they're going to be a, a downer for other people, they're going to be selfish and and this kind of a thing, and they don't realize they will actually repressing emotions over time, in some cases many years, is what creates the unhealthy emotional patterns of being having emotions be intrusive or dumped on people or needing people to fragilize you so that you can sort of get, get through the day and that sort of a thing, but the it, it takes strength to actually be emotionally honest, and as it turns out, that's a key part of emotional intelligence, which is so important for our effectiveness in all that we do in our life and relationships and work. Yeah, well, I am finding it much easier than I ever would have thought it would have been before I learned and I began to train and live into this, and you know, people might be thinking, but sometimes there aren't safe people available for you to empathize with you. And, and that's true. And that was true for me because I was spending, you know, sometimes 16 hours at my mom's house or more, even 24. And there were times when I would have emotion. I remember one time in particular where my mom was really angry at me and it was triggering emotions in me that were bigger than just that moment it was taking me back to how it felt to be a child with her anger mm-hmm. and i was having a hard time containing my emotions in response to that because it was such it was so historical you know that there's a saying hysterical is historical when we when mm-hmm. our when our emotions are so big mm-hmm. and there are a bigger reaction than calls for in the moment usually they're tied to some historical experience or trauma or memory or something. And so for me, that was an example of that. I wasn't hysterical, but I was having heightened emotion. I was having trouble containing my emotion. And so I was able to recognize that in the moment and catch myself and saying, okay, I'm having more emotion than this, than is warranted right now, than is comfortable right now. I'm having a hard time containing it. I need to set some boundaries. And so I, I set some boundaries to go and withdraw from being with my mom Thankfully, there was a caregiver there that I could say, I, you know, I need to go up and 
and take a break. I went up, I journaled and got Mm -hmm. in touch with what is it that I'm feeling and why is it so big? And what, when have I felt this way before? What age do I feel right now? And identifying those things and just taking a moment to, to get some space away from the trigger with Jesus to pray, to journal to him. Cause when I journal, I journal to Jesus. I journal a prayer, um, just an emotionally honest prayer. I'm just talking to him like I would you right now and just tell him about how I felt and how this was so hard and how I didn't want it to be this way and how I felt this felt so unfair. And you know, just to be honest about the emotion and that was the way I was able to contain it for the time being. And I was able to sense Jesus's empathy for me and my mom. Mm-hmm. And then therefore I was able to agree with his grace for her as to why she was angry and for me and how it felt to receive that anger, but also to not personalize it. Mm. And you know that, that, that not personalizing it part has been an ongoing work for me because I've told you a couple times I'm feeling guilty, Yeah, but I think it's a false guilt. I don't think I was actually guilty of doing anything wrong. I just feel guilty because she was angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I analyze it and I go back and I think, well, was I guilty of doing anything wrong? I, I, no, I can't find anything there. Yeah, so many emotions that are part of grief and anger and guilt are two prominent ones. And anger is a hard emotion. And so it you, feels so counter to grief. Mm-hmm. And it feels so dishonoring to the one that we miss and we love. Mm-hmm. Well, and your mom was grieving at the same time. Yes. And so her anger was part yeah. of her grief, yes, it, it was. was part of the decline in her her body and her mm-hmm. brain functioning and so there was yeah. a lot going on there she was just such a, a loving uh, person a devoted christian a generous kind to uh, everyone in the family and her friends and and hundreds thousands of other people besides as a speaker and as an author and uh, a minister and so she's a very gracious yes. person um, but, but it Enneagram- was a defense mechanism for her as an enneagram mm-hmm. eight yeah, and so some of that came out more at the end, and then for you, naturally, it was triggering some memories. Uh, in some cases, some that would even qualify as traumatic memories. Uh, and it, so it was difficult for you to have these things stirred up, but yeah. you you were doing the the work of prayer and of processing so that now you're able to be current. Yes, and that's what was so helpful. It, the Enneagram was also so helpful to me of understanding here, mom and Enneagram eight, who the roots in is lust for power and she's lost all power mm-hmm. whose defense mechanism is needing control and she's lost all control mm-hmm. and how her whole life is bent on avoiding vulnerability and she's the most vulnerable she's ever been. Mm. And so understanding that gave me a lot of empathy for her to not be so reactive to the anger and not personalize it, but to, be able to see that I could understand where that was coming from because anger is an empowering emotion. It helps us feel powerful. It's so beautiful, your empathy for your mom in a difficult time, extremely difficult time. And I want you who are listening just to realize what Christy just did there uh, because this is like for you, Christy, is really your passion behind our new book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. And that's that as we understand the different Enneagram types, the reason for this is to have empathy for them, mm-hmm. to pray for them with love. Mm-hmm. And you just 
demonstrated how you were doing that with your mom and realizing her type is an Enneagram 8, you used that information not, not to like judge her or, or, or even, even to complain, which is natural that we complain at times as a way of venting. I mean, you could just complain and say, oh, my mom's such a Enneagram 8 and you know, getting angry and all this. And uh, I mean, that, sometimes we need to maybe vent like that to get to a place of receiving empathy. But you, you were able to go right to having a, a considerate, warm-hearted, compassionate view towards your mom and her, and her struggle. And it's mm-hmm. difficult for all of us, of course, to come to the end. Death is the ultimate insult, but especially hard for someone like your mom, who was a powerful, dynamic woman who really had this felt need for control. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that wasn't her heart yeah. at all. And I know that she wasn't in a position of actually being in control over anything at that point. It, and, and so I do have grace for her, and I am still able to hold on to all of the good in her and all the growth in her and all the virtue in her that I saw and all the good things about her eightness of being generous and of the great leader that she was. And so I'm able to hold those in, together integrated as well. And, and I'm thankful for that, that it doesn't spoil that experience of the bad leaking out there doesn't spoil the good that I experienced. Thanks so much for your courage, Christy, to be vulnerable with all of our friends listening. And uh, uh, for you who are listening, Christy tells more of her story with the the journey of grief uh, in our new book because um, you were already into this journey, even though Mm -hmm. your mom had not yet died. You were very much doing the the grief work and had some really vulnerable conversations with your mom that were just um, so beautiful and inspiring and instructive. And you uh, uh, tell a, a significant story about that and some what you learned through that at the end of, of Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, where you're talking about um, the journey of grief and how that relates for every Enneagram type and the other core emotions of anger, shame, and anxiety. So really appreciate your vulnerability. And just thanks to all of you who have gotten a copy of our book or the, the uh, companion book, uh, your Enneagram map and uh, the video course that we have Enneagram and emotions. And we've heard from so many of you, uh, some of you having us come speak at your church, which we love and uh, come as we've mentioned coming into the Institute retreat weeks. It's, it's so great to follow Jesus together. And I want to give a shout out to Kevin Koberg, a church leader, former pastor, uh, another person in, in business and, he left a review for our new book. Thank saying, you, Kevin. Those reviews make a difference. We had somebody at the Institute last week because of reviews for Journey of the Soul. Amazon suggested she buy Journey of the Soul. She bought Journey of the Soul. She read Journey of the Soul. She loved it. She came to the Institute. She's in our spiritual direction training, and now she's using it in ministry in some really exciting ways in her church. That's why we wrote the book. We wrote it as a tool to help you. So Kevin says um, about healthy feelings, thriving faith, he says the Enneagram can be challenging to make practical sense of after the initial excitement slash concern of uncovering your type. It can be difficult to identify specific Christian spiritual practices that can help facilitate growth in grace. Bill and Christy have written an excellent book that does just that and more. I highly recommend it for anyone wanting to grow more reliably into the character of Christ or help others pursue their own journey as well. I just love that testimony because that's why we wrote the book to connect us all deeper with Jesus. 
and this, my own journey of learning the Enneagram, learning my Enneagram type, learning to listen to people from uh, the perspective of their Enneagram type, to, to care for them, to pray for them along those lines, uh, has been so impactful for me and my own discipleship yes. to Jesus, helping me to grow. And, and I've just come to this incredibly profound appreciation in, into the, the, the person of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, and to see the different personality types at different points in time he takes on the expression of each of the Enneagram types. And that is just so encouraging to me as a just an example of Jesus' incarnation and his great love for us, that he became like us and he experiences our temptations and our trials uh, and he shows us how to become more loving and how to be more more kind and generous and how to be more healthy within the, the challenges of each of our personality types. Jesus, how we thank you and praise you for your work of grace in each of us. Thank you, Lord, for our friends here who are saying yes, yes, yes to you and are opening their souls to you. Continue to guide them, to teach them, to strengthen them, to give them courage, to follow you and to be able to be more emotionally honest. Provide for those, Lord, who need a spiritual director, a a spiritual friend, a safe person, an ambassador of you to empathize with them and their emotion and guide them and connect them with that for their own growth and health emotionally and spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 